Mug the Current Thing with me, Nick Dixon, where we talk about politics, the culture war, and anything else that comes up. And today we have a very special guest, a kind of crossover episode in a sense, journalist, co-host of the London Calling podcast with our mutual friend, Mr. Toby Young, and of course, host of the very successful Dellingpod podcast. It is Mr. James Dellingpod. Thanks for being the show, James. Hello, Nick. Um, I'm going to apologise to your, your view, viewers and listeners on your behalf that you've um, had a stomach bug for five days and you haven't eaten and you're you're well below par although I have to say to me to my kind of late middle-aged eyes you're looking in the pink of health and the, the first <laughs> flush of youth and I also want to point out while we're talking about illnesses and stuff I've been experimenting with this very tedious I have to say keto diet and one of the things that it does is it gives you the squits. Um, so if I have to dash off, so so what I'm saying is we're kind of both in the same boat, actually, in different yeah. ways. Yeah. Well, thanks for flagging that, James. Yeah, I did mention it before the show. Yeah, I'm looking slightly better today. It's largely lighting, but yeah, I was puking all the other night, up all night. Then I have barely barely eaten anything. Didn't eat for sixty hours. Then I've eaten toast. It's very grim. And I have to flag it because podcast listeners will just write some review where they say, oh, Nick wasn't on his usual game. It was a wasted opportunity with James, you know, something like that. And I'll just do you think be incredibly... Do you think we may have um, so grossed out our, our audience that, that, <laughs> that they won't get that far? I mean... Yeah, I might have to cut that bit. Yeah, already we'll edit that bit. Just take all that out. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think people like no, it. No, keep, like keep it real. Keep it... That's my motto, Nick. Keep, keep, keep it always. <laughs> no edits. I mean, except for maybe libel reasons you wouldn't go, you wouldn't want to get get cancelled because some rich tosser um found a found a, a a loop a loophole where he could take you to the cleaners you wouldn't want that yeah well my first episode was andrew bridgen i thought i'll put it straight on twitter that'll be a good idea matthew sweet finds it long thread about why i'm evil and then tries to claim we've said something libelous or that andrew has so i was like oh maybe i'll take that bit out then so it happens to be on the first episode there's all these haters james who do long i don't i didn't even read the thread but people messaged me and said you might have a slight legal issue here they write whole threads about me matthew sweet called you evil. yeah do you not know who that is uh, he didn't call me evil, but I'm, I'm summarising. It's like it being called a, a Nazi about... by Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might not have used the word evil, but it was a long thread about how I'm bad and why. And well, everyone on GB I hope gets you are it. bad. Basically, I... I'd be well, disappointed yeah, if you weren't, that. in the eyes of Matthew yeah. Sweet anyway. That is true. We're all on the... On the if, yes, if you're evil to Matthew Sweet, you're probably good. It's a good rule of thumb. And Otto English, may as well name the other one while we're here. They're the two big oh. ones, aren't they? Yeah, but you know what? Here's my policy, Nick. I, I've seen them lurking on Twitter. And if you engage them, you kind of reify them. They, they desperately want to be personalities. They're def- they, they, they so badly want to be important. And who are they? I mean, where do they come from? What are they, what are they doing? The, it's, if, you, if you give them a... T- it's, it's like a toddler when it's having a tantrum. If you give it attention, it'll carry on doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I try not to. I said one thing about Mr. Matthew Sweet, and he, he laid into me for a, a series of threads. So yeah, don't don't exactly don't even engage. And I think he mainly does Doctor Who fan forums and things. He goes to like Doctor Who conventions, but we we don't want to get into it because then he'll he'll quote this whole podcast and write a long thread. But you know why we're both evil and wrong. Do you wrong. think he dresses um, as a sea devil or a cyberman or a Dalek? <laughs> oh, you're a Dalek. What's the half Dalek guy? Davros, Davros. is it? 
Yeah, probably. That's probably a That's predictive um, programming, isn't it? That they, they, they knew in the 1980s, or was it the 70s? 80s, early 80s, that, that the most evil man in the world was going to come from Davos. And they just, just got oh, an R in. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going there. Davos, okay. Yeah. Klaus Schwab is, the, is, is Davros. Um, all right. Didn't expect to get into Matthew Sweet so soon, but there it is. We always have to give him a quick name check. Um, what, what I really want to ask you, though, James, is um, you've sort of, you're well known, let's say, for being an esteemed, fairly mainstream journalist and then sort of going down a different route of the red pill world. And I think we all, anyone who listens to London Calling will know that or the Delling Pod. But my question is, what was the exact moment that happened for you? Because I'm assuming it was the whole COVID era. Yeah. But was there an exact moment where you sort of thought, hang on, things are not quite as I thought yeah. before? It's, it, it's a good question. And I wish my answer were cooler um by which i mean it was actually the trump um the stolen election i i and really i should have been i should have been onto it much earlier because i wrote i wrote a whole book i i spent what five years maybe writing and researching my watermelons book about the green agenda in which i i discovered somewhat to my surprise that the entire climate change environmental movement is basically the invention of a very narrow elite that I now call the predator class or the cabal. You know, they cooked up this stuff. They realized that climate change would be an excuse to, to bring forth a new world order. So I essentially wrote, wrote the book explaining this, but I didn't put two and two together and realize that what applied to climate change applied to every other issue too. But so... That was my kind of semi-red pill moment. But the thing that sent me down the rabbit hole was the stolen presidential election. And I'll tell you what I found weird about it. Okay, so it you could see the election being stolen in real time. We're talking about Trump, yeah? Um, and you could see how Trump was winning in the polls and 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 or winning actually uh, genuinely in terms of the, of, of the count. And then in the middle of the night, something happened. Something weird happened. You know, suddenly Biden was winning everywhere. And there were lots, lots of other tells. It was so blatantly obvious to me that this was an affront to, not just to democracy, as I understood it, but also to one's entire concept of all the, the wonderful checks and balances in, in the, the US system. That, that, that this, I, 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 I was genuinely naive to imagine otherwise but at the time I thought well you know this is America this is the leader of the free world who is president matters it really does and if an election can be stolen like this so flagrantly what does it say about everything so the real rabbit hole moment for me was when I realized that all my colleagues and contemporaries in the media all the kind of the, the, the so-called right-wing columnists and commentators that I looked up to that, or that I, I considered at least my equals and possibly my betters, they were all going, yeah, Biden won. Nothing to see here. The, 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 no, not at all. It wasn't stolen. It was, it was completely legitimate. And um, yeah, and why did Biden win? What was it that made Biden more popular than Trump? Well, of course, Trump did this and Trump did that and Trump said this and Trump, Trump was really unpopular. And I think... 
they're just lying. They're just making shit up because we know that. I mean, I'm, by the way, I speak as somebody who's very sceptical about Trump now. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Trumpista anymore, but I was at the time. Um, but we know that Trump was massively popular. We saw, we saw in the run-up to the election that he, was, he went on the campaign trail and he was getting these whooping crowds, filling arenas and stuff. Where was Biden? Biden was being kept from the electorate deliberately by his minders because this is a guy who poops his pants literally who 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 is senile is 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 handsy with 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 children and and and, and young women and stuff he was electorally toxic he's got a son-in-law with a with, with oh, sorry son with a with a a laptop full of porn and 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 worse um and and yet we're told yeah in in sober editorials across the across the mainstream media um everywhere we were told we we had sort of analyses of of why it was that Biden won and why Trump lost and I was thinking this is just bullshit this is they're gaslighting us they how can this be and they they do say that that when you go down the rabbit hole in order to go there no one can no one can persuade you no one can show you the facts no one can you know if I wanted to red pill Tobes um and presented him with this immaculate dossier on 9-11 or the moon landings and stuff he wouldn't leaf through this dossier and go wow james was right no there's you can't fact bomb people into awareness they have to they have to go through some kind of trauma and it's the trauma that leads them to realize that the world as they've been as it has been sold to them is a lie and they have to question everything that they'd previously accepted as, as as reality, and the trauma needs to be, I think, gen- generally related to realizing that authorities, that the authorities that you'd you'd previously respected, cannot be trusted, that all your all your elders, betters, superiors, uh, all the grown-ups in the room were lying to you. They didn't just lie to you in the early days about Father Christmas. They lied to you about everything. And that is the beginning of the heroic journey. And that's, and that's where you end up where I am now. Hmm. Very interesting answer. Trauma. Yeah, I'm trying to think where my trauma is. It might just be my whole life. But because um, I've sort of been on a steady diet of red pills for a long time where that's where I slightly differ from you. I didn't have like one massive moment. I just feel like I was like, yeah, of course for a long time so maybe my generation is more skeptical or, or maybe it's just me but it's so much interesting stuff there about well toby first of all not to diss toby of course on this podcast but um he, he doesn't even think jfk is dodgy mm. so <laughs> I, mean, that's really, I didn't think anyone still thought that i was like come on toby. i sort of mentioned 9 11 i said a few things but he still thinks jfk is just totally legitimate yeah i was like you think it's oswald that's end of, he's like yeah I'm although like, Okay. In in defence of Tobes, because uh, I'm I'm always torn between these positions. Sometimes I think there is no way that Toby cannot be controlled opposition, and there are other times where, and I have to remind people who make this accusation against Toby. I say, I remember not so long ago when I had my column on the Spectator that I wrote a piece once about conspiracies, and I remember I, I had to go to this. I had to go, David Aronovich, can you imagine this? David Aronovich wrote a book about conspiracy theories in which he purported to debunk 
all the conspiracy theories. And, and he had a, a Q&A session in the, the Frontline Club um, in W2. And I, um, I was bizarrely invited to be the compare or the, 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 the friendly questioner. So I had a perfectly friendly evening with David Aronovich and I, I sort of more or less accepted his premise that things like 9-11, JFK were, um, were conspiracy theories and not real. And it wasn't so much that, um, it wasn't that I looked into them and it wasn't that I even had made an active decision not to look into them. It was more that I just accepted that they were one of those things that just wasn't worth my attention. A bit like football. I again, it just just like life's too busy. You know, I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to deal with the real stuff. I'm I'm trying to deal with 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 politics and and whatever my interests are. And and here's this stuff, which I've mentally subconsciously indeed compartmentalizes stuff that i needn't bother with because it's just too weird and maybe that's still where 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 his mindset set is i think that although i think we do live under virtually totalitarian levels of censorship in this country although we're, we're constantly persuaded we're not i think that the most aggressive censorship takes place in our own brains we've already been programmed not to think things not to say things not to do things hmm yeah interesting and just for the record i do think toby is 100 percent sincere i just disagree with him on on things that's all i certainly don't believe he's any kind of uh you know controlled opposition or anything like that i think these are just his opinions my only thing was i just couldn't believe that anyone still didn't even question the most sort of root one conspiracy which would be jfk is the most sort of basic example but yeah that's interesting you're saying we just we just automatically dismiss them without even thinking about it. Um, they would say, of course, on the election, I largely agree with you. I mean, Tucker Carlson laughed at the idea the other night in his interview with Andrew Tate. He said the idea that Biden got more votes than Obama and he just laughed out loud. It was kind of absurd. They would argue there isn't any evidence for what you're saying. I would. There's also a moderate argument you can do in between, which is that with mail-in ballots and with things like ballot harvesting, and with accepting all that what would normally be counted as spoiled ballots, which they suddenly accepted, which made it, which Victor Davis Hanson pointed out, made a big difference, that they could have sort of done a version of it that's not literally rigging it, but is kind of using semi-legitimate or legitimate election methods. But I don't know, they would probably say to you, where's your evidence, James, for that um Why would I care claim? what they say? <laughs> I'm just trying to put some sort of devil's advocate. I yeah, I, I think it's stupid. I think it's, a, I think it's a waste of time. Fair enough. All right. Well, maybe it's more interesting to ask this, where, where I slightly disagree with you or, or, or maybe differ from you, because I've been described as 7-8 Team James by one of your fans, so I'm nearly there. But I have a slight difference where my critique, and I know Toby's used this against you because he nicked it from me, but my critique is that is there a danger of having a healthy skepticism towards the mainstream narrative, but then once you become red-pilled, failing to apply the same skepticism to your sort of newfound worldview and, and therefore accepting any conspiracy or any, you know, red pill narrative. Is that, is that a danger? Well, um, first of all, I, I, I treat each conspiracy theory on, on its merits. Um, I think the, the, what, you're, what you're asking me is the, is the classic purple-pilled question. And I call purple-pilled people, people who ha have gone down the rabbit hole 
and and they're, they're they're comfortable with the with the kind of the regular mainstream conspiracies. I mean, if there is such a thing, you know, they know that 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 JFK wasn't shot by a lone gunman, and they know that we didn't go to the moon, and they feel comfortable about this. But they feel uncomfortable with the idea that they've been that in holding these these views, they've been they've cast themselves adrift from the mainstream, and that they realise that they're they they find themselves in awkward company, and so in order to maintain a foot in the the, the normie camp, they they show themselves that um, I see this, you see this with with conservatives by the way which I'll describe in a minute um, that they, they they find these conspiracies that they de- that they declare ex cathedra are outlandish and they're not going to go there and and to hold these views is ridiculous and it discredits the cause and they show themselves that look I may believe in some conspiracy theories, but there are areas where I won't go because that's where the crazies are. And, and really, I, I distance myself from them. You, I, when, in the days when I used to appear on Any Questions and Question Time, um, which I've, I, I'm very glad I don't do anymore, I noticed this, that when I would be on a, on a panel with the, the conservative MP, the, the token conservative MP, the conservative MP would be would take great care to disagree with me on certain issues in order to demonstrate that they may be right wing, but they're not rabid. And, and so my job was to was was to be the the crazy right winger to be thrown to the wolves. Squishy conservatives are doing this all the time. Squishy red, pe- uh, pink pill, uh, purple pill people are doing this all the all, all the time. So. To go back to the point about um, taking each conspiracy on its merits, I before I went down the rabbit hole, I I assumed as as most normies do, um, and I and I hate to use the word normie because it's because it's it, it, it's it's one of those kind of slightly sort of pejorative terms. I don't want to dismiss people like you know my parents or well actually my parents are quite red-pilled <laughs> but I don't want to miss uh, to dismiss all the people who are who haven't yet discovered the truth because I I, I see them as as you know uh, allies in waiting rather than as the enemy um, but uh, where, where was I that that I used to imagine that okay so maybe maybe one of these conspiracy theories is true but I mean no way they're all going to be true maybe it's the moon landings or maybe it's Kennedy and then you start looking at the at the at the the more outlandish stuff, um, say the Beatles, say say Paul, um, or what are the other crazy ones? I, I haven't I haven't looked yet into flat Earth, although I'm sort of sympathetic to the idea. There's chemtrails, which is semi. Is that a touch more mainstream? Yeah, chem, chem, chemtrails are mainstream now. I mean, you've got you've got footage of. Of, U, of, of UN meetings where where they where they they're perfectly upfront about they, 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 you know they call it weather modification or geoengineering or there's all there's loads of evidence right. out there that the chemtrails are real it's not that's not that's not a particularly good example I'd say I mean not, no. not well Paul McCartney's a clone is out there dinosaurs didn't exist is quite out there yeah it is until you look at, until you you start looking into it I mean I think. Um, what I'm talking about which ones are perceived as more crazy versus yeah 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 sure, yeah, sure, sure. so what I'm saying is that is that it it it's very easy to knock these things when you haven't looked into them I, I when when I hear somebody who who understands that that who understands that 9/11 wasn't planned by a man in the ca- in the cave and when they understand that JFK was not 
shot by an extraordinarily skilled lone gunman from a, a book depository. Um, when they're saying, well, ha ha ha, you think that dinosaurs exist, I don't go... Um, oh, maybe he's caught me out there. I go, well, it just doesn't look to the evidence. You haven't, haven't thought it through. I mean, think about this. Think about this. What is probably the biggest conspiracy theory of our entire Western culture since the, the mid-19th century? What's the, what's the big lie that gets repeated everywhere? Oh, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I thought it was going to be rhetorical. I didn't realize I was going to actually be asked. What's the biggest lie that's been repeated since the 19th century? Yeah. Evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I... This, this again, is a, is a, is a measure of the, the rapidity of my journey. Um, I think that the best journalist of his generation, um, certainly the best journalist I've ever known, was Christopher Booker. Because he asked the questions that other journalists are afraid to ask, and amazingly, he 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 flourished in a period where it was still possible to get get those opinions across in the mainstream press. I mean, no way would the Mail publish the kind of pieces that that it regularly published under Booker's byline on the stupidity of tidal power or, or um, the injustices of the ca- of the family courts or whatever. I used to chat to, um, and we were, we were obviously we, we worked together on on the, the whole climate the climate wars, but we used to have many private conversations, and he told me uh, towards the towards the end of his life that he had his doubts about evolutionary theory. I thought, bloody hell, that's a bit that's a bit wacky he said well yeah yeah he said i i i i got flown out to these these high level discussions peter Thiel um flew us out a few of us out we had we had a you know a weekend in an agreeable um ranch or whatever in california or something and he mentioned people there i thought that that's great christopher that is very niche i said said, really what you, you you don't think evolution is real because like like everyone knows, duh. Like, like everyone knows that that we ha- there was a big bang, and then we then there was a kind of the primordial. We, we've even got phrases for it, haven't we? Everyone knows the sort of primordial swamp, prim- primordial soup, and then we were sort of amoeba and things, and then we sort of became bacteria or or, or bigger things, para paramecians i don't know and then we got bigger and bigger and then yeah and eventually we we you know the ape got bigger and bigger and more sophisticated and it eventually became us and we, you know we everyone knows this it's repeated in pretty much every article about biology ever you know everyone shoehorns in evolution and stuff so here was booker the man i probably most admired the intellect one of the intellects i most admired telling me that he had his doubts about evolutionary theory and to his credit he knew how to operate he didn't say well, James, you've got to realise that it's that it's all it's all complete bollocks. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He said. He said. Well, he said there are there there, there are one or two problems with it. I said. Well, well, what? He said. Well, um, the the fossil record. The um, have a look at intermediary specimens. I said. What do you mean? Well, well, just just you know. Even doubt, doubt, yeah, and and so he just planted the seeds of doubt, doubt, but didn't push it. And if only, we're, we're, the problem on when you get down the rabbit hole, 
you want to go out there and say, it's all a lie. Everything's a lie. Everything we've been told is just like, you know, have a look at this. Just jump, blah, 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 blah. And, and people just go, he's a madman. He, go away. Leave me alone. I don't want to know. You're, you're crazy. A bit like I, I was with, you know, with um, when I did that David Aronovich interview. I just, I just, it was just like stuff I didn't. Yeah, it's like tr- trying to be. In, it was like trying to be sold uh, um, a flat, a holiday share. You know, one of those um, ho- timeshare timeshare in Spain. You know, you like like no, I don't want to be sold a timeshare <laughs> in Spain. Leave me alone. That that's how we've been programmed. We've been programmed to think if anyone says anything that that, that we've been we've been taught to think of as a conspiracy theory, it's like being told sold a timeshare in Spain. Uh, so. So anyway, um, back to the, to evolutionary theory. I mean, even even ministers in even vicars in the Church of England, probably even the Archbishop of Canterbury, believes in. Well, I'm sure he does. Believes in evolutionary theory. It's it's so accepted that even men of God have now accepted that. Like like you, know, um, our understanding of the world has moved on since the Bible. <laughs> like, like like yeah right yeah, um, and. Um, y- when you look into it, you 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 go, what? You mean, even in um, Origin of Species, there's a whole section where Darwin says, look, I mean, I, I, I paraphrase, there is one major flaw in my in my theory, and then he goes, but yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> and you think, hang on a second, the, the book where he explains his major theory, and he says, yeah, but there's this major major flaw. It's like gaping. But but no, don't worry. You know, it, it'll it'll be solved. We we can we can, um, and you think, hang on a second. So this thing that is taught to us at school, and and we and really clever scientists. In fact, all the clever scientists, all the all the clever biologists, all the you know, David Attenborough, all the all the TV scientists, all the every scientist. No 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 serious scientist does not believe in evolution. It's just kind of like so, but it's a theory. And that's all it is. And it's a theory with gaping, gaping flaws in it, which have never been successfully explained. Dinosaurs are a kind of part of that because you, well, this takes us into territory like, like young earth theory and, and areas like... It wasn't just Darwin who was pushing a particular line. There were people like in other fields, like like geologist Charles Lyell pushed the, pushed the idea about the earth being a particular age. I mean, I know... Um, because I've, I've, you know, I, I used to be good at quizzes. The Earth is four and a half billion years old. You know, so I, so I know, I know how how old, how, how far things back back goes. But this is this is the same kind of way of looking at the world that that, that, that embraces evolutionary theory. I'm not, I'm not convinced that the the, the, the world is as old as 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 um, the nineteenth century scientists have decided it is, and I th- I would suspect that. Somehow, dinosaurs are part of that psyop designed to to create this idea in our heads that there were sort of the eras before us where where these these mysterious creatures that may have been feathered or may not that may have done this may not kind of just invented by CGI in in studios for Steven Spielberg movies um, that I do believe that there were things that there were dragons. Um, that it, it seems obvious to me because because so many cultures dragons are so common to so many cultures 
you know the 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 the, the Chinese the, the the Chinese years and stuff. Um, what what year are you? I'm not sure. I think I'm a snake. I think. Um, but there is a dragon, isn't there? And the dra- dragons recur in in literature and 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 myth and stuff. I don't think they were just this crazy shit that was just made up because it because they sounded kind of cool. I think I think that there must be um, there must be something to it. And, and I suppose you know you you see them in Indonesia today, don't you? The Komodo dragons. You see a version. Yeah, I was going to say it's basically a dinosaur, isn't it? The Komodo dragons, yeah. not far off. Yeah, but so so what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that. A certain kind of reptilian didn't stalk the earth once. That I I just don't believe in brontosauruses and tyrannosaurus and reps and triceratopses and all the all the other all the other dinosaurs that we're taught to learn and identify when we're when we're you know eleven. I, I just I my just, problem is they've always changed them, aren't they? The raptors are small, then they're big, and then they've got feathers, and they don't. And I'm like, they obviously don't know exactly. But I said this to Jamie. We we're talking about this with the Reverend Jamie Franklin on, on this podcast, and he said, "But where does James? How does James think it was done? Because he, firstly, I mean, is it was it just is the whole thing? What's the purpose of it? Is it is it just an anti-Christian psyop? Secondly, or is it just a mistake? And secondly, how is it how is that how was it actually done? Was his question, or how do you think it was done? And I didn't know the answer. Oh, to that. I see. Well, you know, I've uh, it, whenever I broach a new subject, I try and get some expert on my podcast to explain um the background i mean i I think somebody called eric dubé has has covered this fairly well although i wonder whether he's done it quite satisfyingly enough for me to go yeah you're the guy for my podcast um it's it has to do with uh, okay so when you look at um one of the ways we can we can ascertain conspiracy theories is by looking at looking for tells. And when you've been looking at conspiracy theories for a while, you 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 realise that that the tells are very similar from conspiracy to conspiracy. So, for example, you will have um, in almost everyone a a team of self declared experts which have the knowledge. And and we are supposed to take it as read that what they are telling us is is true. So the field of paleontology was really invented in two waves in the the nineteenth century. I think the first wave of dinosaur hunters was in the eighteen forties, where these two kind of Phineas T. Barnum type type hucksters. Uh, set out and, and and suddenly miraculously started finding all these dinosaur bones, which 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 previous generations. I mean, you, you think about this, you think about you think about the Royal Society founded in 1660. You think about um, the great the great um, uh, gentleman naturalists who went around the world looking for 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 interesting stuff before then the great the great collectors who filled the national gallery with its collections and queue with its collections and so on yeah you know, sir john soane etc etc and you think they didn't know about dinosaurs yet suddenly in the 1840s these two americans suddenly discovered this like 
this, the, all these bones that, that and and the, and you you slotted them together and they made these creatures. And I think there was, there was another wave. I think in the eighteen nineties and so there was a sort of there was dinosaur mania, and they started naming these creatures. There was a sort of competition to to see who could get the most dinosaur with the craziest features. Oh, I'm going to have two rows of spines on the back of this. Oh, I'm going to invent a triceratops, and it's got these got these horns in front. They just and you you look at the early the early dinosaur skeletons that they allegedly found that they're risible they're just this a complete joke there's a, there's this horn which is obviously a narwhal's there's what i think in a museum in germany germany there's a what what may be an, a narwhal's curly um uh unicorn type horn and then and then there's the you know, bits of, mashed together with kind of lamb bones and chicken or or, or whatever um that that when you look at the these these great exhibits in all in all the um, in all the the, the national um, the, the the museums like the Natural History Museum. I mean, every every great city's got a Natural History Museum, and they're one of the. They used to be one of my go to places. You know, I used to always want to go into the into the Blue Whale Hall or the, or the Tyrannosaurus Hall or whatever. And there's a great one in America, in 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 New York, and one in Chicago. Everyone's got them. And why is that? Well, well, okay, I think they're pushing a narrative, but and and why and why are dinosaurs the dominant thing? Again, I, I think they're pushing a narrative. When were these places established? They were they were largely established in about the period where 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 Darwin, Darwinian theory was being pushed, weren't they? Um, and th- th- have you noticed, for example, how the Natural History Museum in London has recently got a new dinosaur exhibit? And and guess what? It's like you thought you'd seen a dinosaur skeleton before, but wait till you see, like, what's he called? Enormousaur or Bigosaur or Gigantosaur. You know? Wow. And it took, it took the, the world's top paleontologist 20 weeks just to unearth, to lift. You know, it took cranes the size of Mount Everest. Oh, all right, I, this is the sort of, sort of stuff they, they used to sell because it's always got to be bigger, better, faster, more. And you think, well, it's just am I buying into this? This this looks like too good to be true. So, look, come back to me when I found my perfect dinosaur expert. All I will say to you is that most of these these creations you see in the in the the main halls of the Natural History Museum are just that they, they are creations. That there, there may be two or three real bones and a gazillion bones which have just been made of plaster casts and they've just they're imaginative they're imaginative reconstructions okay well i sometimes think of myself as a conspiracy moderate maybe you'd call me purple pill but the um the conspiracy moderate take might be maybe dinosaurs are real but there's definitely also an industry that has to keep pumping out new content and new dinosaurs i could see that being a very rational idea i mean obviously well, of course that exists. you could because it, you're on the fence be new but it's just <laughs> i'm not on the fence I, I, i'm just I, arguing it no, I'm not. I'm not interested. I, I, I don't care. I just think. I just think you're. The thing is. Thing is, Nick. It's like this. Uh, I've. I'm pretty anti-dinosaur, James. I'm just trying to be sort of fair on the podcast, so people don't say yeah, you but, didn't challenge but, but James at all. This is something. This. That, that, this is, I think, one of the one of the the the, the toxic elements in our culture the, the, that we've been trained to think that balance is a good thing, and that, and that, and that we've 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 been taught by the BBC that when you've got somebody representing the left. You have somebody on the right, and they have a discussion, and somewhere in the middle of these points, the truth lies. This is the Hegelian dialectic. 
It's just it's yeah. just rubbish. It's part of the psyop. I don't play that game anymore. It's not worth it. It's not interesting. Fair enough. Yeah, it's probably the Toby in my head thinking, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. I, me and Leo are always saying, like, why do we have to have all these lefties on, on GB? And of course, it's because of Ofcom is the, is the literal answer. But yeah, the idea, the dialectic, I sort of, I agree with you. I think there's the truth and that's it, really. So yeah, we don't need to have the person saying, oh, we should have bought babies up to nine months. I'm like, do we have to represent that view? That view has been represented several times on GB News. I'm like, we have to represent the murderers? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm very glad you made that point because this, this is where I am now. I believe that our only duty is, is to the truth. The, the truth is the only thing that matters. And people say, well, what do you mean, your truth or my truth? No, truth is, is an objective thing. Um, it can be obtained, attained, um, but it requires a process of inquiry. Um, and once you've got close to the truth, you don't really need to waste time entertaining the opinions of people who just haven't looked into it and or, or are, are prisoners of their own ideology. They're irrelevant. Mm, that's interesting. So that's why you're quite dismissive at times on London Calling because... One of my, here's, one of my, here's one take. See what you think of this. Um, if we follow the original red pill metaphor from the Matrix, one thing Neo does is he's red pilled, so he's in the desert of the real, which is kind of where you are now. But he's also, for, for a laugh, for a bit of fun and stuff, and just, I don't know, he goes back and to, and to fight the Matrix, I suppose, as well. He goes back into the Matrix, shoots a load of cool guns and flies around. So when I engage with someone like Toby, let's say, even if I radically disagree, I still think it's kind of interesting to talk about what Boris has done or whatever without thinking it's, you know, while still being pretty red-pilled about it all, I can sort of engage. Whereas your take is more, I don't even want to talk about that, it's irrelevant. What do you think? But in the actual Matrix, he does engage, in a sense, with the Matrix. Um, I think that, there's a danger here. Um, you mentioned Boris. Um, I call him Johnson now because because I think that that by calling him Boris, you are you are engaging in the deception, which is that there was this lovable character called Boris, um, and hilariously he got to be prime minister somehow. And there's all this amazing sort of Boris creation, the invention of Boris footage, all over YouTube where Boris at that charity rugger match tackling somebody and Boris on the South Bank throwing a basketball over his head and it going through the hoop and Boris the bumbling character on Have I Got News For You? And it's all part of this elaborate um, theatrical contract um, where we are persuaded that the people who... Um, who are instrumental in ruining our lives at the behest of the people who run the world, that they are, they are on our side, that they're our friends somehow. And so Tobes will get excited about having met, bumped into Boris at, at, at a party and Boris, you know, re relate, relating the, the banter. And I, yeah, of course it, it is quite, odd and interesting to think that we were friends at university with this chap and you know we were all we were all callow youths or less so in Boris's case because I think he was already busy inventing himself then and knew exactly who he was and where he was going but this same lovable Boris character was the guy who was sent out to um tell Zelensky um 
you cannot you know, the Russians the Russians want to negotiate a, a peace. They don't want to keep this this thing going. Boris was was Johnson was sent out to Zelensky to to deliver the message. We are we are fighting this thing a l'outrance that you cannot you, you cannot reach a negotiated uh, settlement. You can't reach a you, you know there's no room for peace. We want we want endless war. We want to feed more men into the the meat grinder. And you think about what it what it means. What's going on here? So Boris or Johnson is part of this ruthless machinery which is using the Ukraine war partly as a kind of blood sacrifice, a sort of way of, of grinding the young men of a, of a certain... So, so far, thank God, only young Ukrainians and Russians, but soon perhaps our people as well. It's trying to grind them into the dirt in, in, in the same way that, that the... The flower of 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 youth were sacrificed in the First World War. You know, like ground into dust, and it ended up fertilizer on the Somme, fertilizing French wheat, French and Belgian wheat for for generations after. And Johnson was part of this. Well, you you can't then start congratulating yourself on what a jolly jolly chat you had with him after after a few drinks in a in a in a in a club. Because these people are are evil, or they are part of they are part of an evil agenda, and it's I, I can't associate myself with that. I think we've reached the stage in in the affairs of the world where you've got to pick a side. Are you going to pick good, or are you going to pick evil? And if you're sitting on the fence, well, then you may as well let evil win, haven't you? Mm, yeah, well, I'm not sure if it's the fence necessarily, because in my original metaphor, I, st- I still think there must be a way to engage with the world while not, you know, being of the world and all that. But yeah, you, you see it as, the, as being on the fence. Maybe, maybe you're right. Well, what, um, what, I, I mean, why? What, what? I, the... Well, I sort of see it as different levels. You know, you can do GB News, for example. Is GB News perfect? No, it's regulated by Ofcom. But I can appear on there and say certain things. Maybe I can then do Lotus Eaters and say, well, let's say Weekly Skeptic with Toby and say some more things. Maybe Lotus Eaters, I can say some more. On my own part, I can say more. Maybe, maybe there are different levels and different layers where, where one can engage without always, you know, without it being... But you're sort of more all or nothing, obviously. That's your approach. Well, look, I mean, I think that there are things that one can say about LGBTQ plus or about the culture wars issues um but i think that the culture wars are a way that people can in the nicest possible way people can pretend to be a bit edgy and contrarian and like fighting for freedom without actually fighting for freedom that, that yeah, these these are distracting issues. They're not the real thing. Because a counter to that might be that you know, let's say someone like Andrew Doyle does great work on a number of culture war issues, and then you know you're doing your thing, and maybe they can all exist. They're all sort of broadly, they're broadly anti this. You know, obviously you go a lot further, and Andrew is very strangely sort of didn't see through the COVID narrative at all. It seems yeah, well. That's not quite the case. Actually, to be fair, that's misrepresenting. I brought him on my podcast. He said, actually, he was criticizing 
things like COVID passports from the start and all this. He just didn't understand the what he saw as the sort of epidemiological part. Right, of it. and has he come and out since against the vaccines? Yeah, I think he's. I think he. I, I don't want to misrepresent his position, but the point is, there are people that fight certain things, and then there are others, others for other things, and we can all sort of. One thing that's bothered me. See what you think to this is. There's been this kind of purity police, I call them, that's emerged, whereby we, if we don't do everything perfectly according to them... I'll give you one example I get a lot, which is that I was supposed to quit GB News when Mark Stein quit. So I'm, no problem with Mark Stein. would be interesting to chat to him. Never met him. I believe I was probably earlier on to the COVID stuff than him. I believe my vaccination status is more pure than his. I don't, can't say for sure because I don't know it. But I, I believe you didn't that. know Mark Steins. He, he had the jab. That's why he's got cancer. right. I didn't want to say if it wasn't definitely true. I thought he did. Okay, it wasn't one hundred percent. So there you go. So I so I'm a pure blood. So but then suddenly, and I've been against it from an earlier point than than Stein. Yeah. And yet I get all these people tweeting me telling me I have to quit my job. And they know nothing about my background or his background. Maybe his life's much easier than mine. Maybe it's taken me years and years to even begin to have any money at all. But I'm supposed to quit. But I will quit, James, on my own principles. But yeah. not on someone else's that are made well, up that I'm being told on Twitter. But isn't there a danger of this side? Uh, you know, we get. Well, what do you think? Well, luckily, luckily, you've you've made it easy for me by giving giving a really extreme example. Of, of, of course, you shouldn't um, quit your job at GB News, uh, except on your totally on your own terms. I mean, you're 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 a young man. You 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 need a career. You need money. You've got you, you know you've got talents which are suited suited to the job. Why should you? throw yourself on the altar of, of principles so high that almost nobody could could live up to them. I, I wouldn't expect... Of course you're going to get people on, people who are sort of uber, uber zealots. I, I, I agree with you. Look, there are people who purity spiral me. I mean, there are people who... That, that, <laughs> uh, who are those people? That, yeah. Like James isn't pure enough. I mean, that's... that's yeah, that's there are people incredible. who think I'm... A, I mean, I, I get all sorts. There was, there was, there's a website which specialises in um, looking at your... Um, do you know about elite gender inversion? EGI. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, well, this is, this, is, this is one of the more... You, unless you mean like having trans kids, Hollywood people having trans kids and stuff. You don't mean that. that well, I, I think part of it is... is this is, again, one of the, one of the more um, outre rabbit holes. Um, that that uh, a lot of a lot of the the actors that you think are men are women, and and the actresses you think are women are, are men, and and stuff like that. And maybe it's been like this way for a long time. And people have looked at so 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 they 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 take people in in the public eye. Not that I really am, but but um, and they examine their skeletal structure. And they decide whether or not you're a man or a woman. I think I think they decided that I was I was a woman. Uh, and other people say so. I, I I tried to get do a podcast with somebody in New Zealand, and I was very firmly rebuffed that I was clearly, you know, with my background, clearly part of the the intelligence psyop and and stuff. So, so yeah, I, I, I've got some sympathy with your position. I mean, That's uh, funny. against that, I would say that there are, there are people um, on us, purportedly on, on the side of the awake, for want of a better word, um, who are not, who are definitely 
um, infiltrators, gatekeepers, controlled opposition. There are different. There are different levels of of um, insidiousness and 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 untrustworthiness and and betrayal. Um, but but for example, I, I read I, I read a Substack essay de- detailing this. It was called "Put Not Your Trust in Jordan Peterson." So it's it's not that I'm saying that everyone everyone except me is controlled opposition or or a gatekeeper or whatever. What I am saying is that it is part of the enemy's mo that they will subvert the resistance by planting among their number seemingly seemingly friendly figures who who say the sort of things they want to hear but who are actually traitors or or judas goats or that they're they're a distraction they're not really serving our interests interesting what was your take on peterson then because my thing is i think he's very strong on on a lot of things on politics not so much he used to work work for the um for some reason, he was said Kavanaugh should stand down. He thought Mike Pence is the future. The a few weeks ago, so on politics, he has these bad takes. And he's a psychiatrist. He, so, right. which is which is a junk science. The, 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 I mean, many so many of our current ills can be traced back to to Freud, who I mean, it, it's nominative determinism, or there's a clue in the name. Freud was a fraud, uh, and and you think about. Who the 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 Freud dynasty since that you know like Matthew Freud, PR, it's, it's a relationship with the Sun and 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 Lucian Lucian Freud, I mean I I I like his paintings but they're a bit there's a, there's a sort of pervy there's a pervy element in there isn't there and and his his uh, there's something creepy creepy about about him um, that that um. Sorry, what did I? Why was I mentioning Freud? You were saying uh, that he's a fraud, and that you got to watch out for these controlled opposition mm. people. And yeah, uh, oh, oh yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, but you're a, bit of a shrink. But that, 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 that isn't my case. Doesn't depend on that. I think short version. I think the function of Peterson is to say the kind of the kind of um, tough, tidy your room, sit up straight, do this, do that stuff that that um that that confused young men might benefit from and everyone goes yes exactly they should tidy their rooms and sit up straight and 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 you know these young men will often say yeah jordan peter's 12 rules for life it helped me to put my life together yeah but what it also did is channel your rage into the sort of self-obsession when perhaps you should be thinking about the bigger picture, about what's happening in the world. So he he sort of corrals potential opposition into pens and sort of defangs them, you know? Hmm. Interesting. Well, that leads to, I mean, that leads to an obvious question as well. What do you think about Andrew Tate, who's another figure who, I know he's been on your podcast yeah. and he follows me on Twitter. We've had some DMs, full disclosure, I have met him. But he was on your podcast just before he sort of blew up massively. And loads of, loads of us were following him for years and he was just didn't have that many views which was, was quite interesting but suddenly he went massive but you had him on your show so because he's another figure who very divisive on the conservative side some many people tell me i shouldn't back him other people I do back him because he's on our side broadly in the yeah thing. isn't that funny why should people care this is the thing why should people become so invested in these personalities that it matters 
whether or not you have your allegiance to them or not. It's like, like having a football team. Yeah. Do you support Man U? No, I hate Man U. Fuckers. No, I support Man City <laughs> or Arsenal. It's, it's like this. It's just divisive, isn't it? What does it matter what you think of Man? It means nothing. He's just a name. I mean, for, my, for myself, I found him one of the most fluent, engaging interesting intelligent guests i've ever had on my podcast you know you can talk to him for hours i mean there was that podcast recently where somebody interviewed him for the five hours and he he just patrick bet david it was it was he was never boring and he says a lot of stuff that makes a lot of sense a lot of intellectual sense a lot of emotional sense you think great andrew uh I still think he's controlled opposition. I mean, but because there's, 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 you know, his father was was CIA. Um, I, I think his brothers kind of spilled the beans. But um, look, I think it's possible to really, really like somebody and like so much of what they say while recognizing that they are they are serving some ulterior purpose, which one doesn't quite understand. I don't know what, I don't know, you know, it's something to do with his conversion to Islam, something to do with his position on women. Maybe he's just there to be divisive. I know he's got a function, but it doesn't mean I don't think he's great. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I I, I disagree with these controlled opposition. I know his dad was, yeah, briefly in the CIA, but mainly was a chess master who had no money. And that seems to me not particularly a relevant fact, in my opinion. But it's interesting you say that I've been criticised constantly. Oh, yeah, you're not allowed to like Andrew Tate. It's a good point. Like, why, why do we have to take some stance on him? I've had so many people message me on my side of things like, no, what, you say you're conservative and then you don't like Tate. I'm like, Are you, and then you like Tate. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. And um, just annoying that they try and tell me what to think, if nothing else. But then aren't you saying my point earlier about engaging in the matrix just for sort of out of interest? You, aren't you saying, oh, I'm, I don't t- trust Tate, but he's still enjoyable? So you're sort of saying you can engage on some level, even while... No, I, 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 I don't make rules like that. I, 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 I like to engage on a case-by-case basis. So, for example, if Tobes were to find me a story from Normie World that I found interesting, like, I don't know, something to do with a movie we'd seen, um, or then, then I, I might run with it. I wouldn't automatically go, this story belongs in Normie World... Uh, or this is a culture wars, and I and I am now so grand that I don't do culture wars anymore. I just I'm just a bit skeptical about it all. Okay, fair enough. Because <clears throat> yes, yeah, sometimes I, that's interesting. Sometimes I might think you just have this overarching take, but it's just a case by case thing. Are you sort of ha- happier with it now, James? Because some people some people say like, oh, I worry about James, or they say James has gone mad and stuff. But I sometimes have worried about you, not in a patronizing way like that, like yeah. a. A, a concern trolling way i've worried about you slightly in the way that becoming taking an overdose of red pills let's say or and becoming black pill that you just you become very nihilistic i see myself more as like i followed this stuff for years i'm probably permanently semi-black pill and just sort of live like that but and probably everyone should worry about me as well but but with you i thought oh you've gone so far into it and you seem to then get very nihilistic and now you seem a bit better again i don't know am i right have you gone on a sort of no i mean I, know, I mean i think i've been pretty good for some time i'm i'm white pill don't forget i'm not not you know i've got gold. You're white pill because you've then gone you've discovered christianity and yeah. you, you sort of yeah yeah so that's and sort you can't of, be, that made a massive you, you, you can't be unhappy when you've got jesus i mean you can't be because you understand that that all this is meant to be and that god has got your back and and that this is all all written that 
Um, and it gives you it gives you strength and, and joy because you know you know that that whatever happens in this world is not the end. And um, yeah, it changes your your understanding of the world. But I, I'm I mean to answer your question, I mean I'm I'm I don't think I've ever been happier in my skin. I've discovered what I enjoy doing. I've got this job, if you could even call it a job, where I I not only enjoy doing it and I can earn a you know just about a, a, a living from it, um, and uh, I feel like I'm doing something really useful and important in the world. And you know I I I sort of partly I think I'm there to reassure my constituency that they're not alone and that they're not going mad and partly I'm there to evangelize both for to help people understand the world better but also understand the the, the spiritual world better the, 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 to to bring them over to to Christ because that is where happiness and salvation lie and it, I, I, I I used to sort of I think culturally we've we've been we've been encouraged to think of Christianity as a sort of cringe thing and, and you know when whenever God bothers come along that um oh, right run away run away um now you ask yourself why that is what, what why why would that be why why would the, the 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 thing that you're encouraged to be be embarrassed about be Christianity and Christians well I would argue that this is a sign that that the forces of darkness have been in operation in our world and well have been since since time immemorial but but are, but are probably getting more and more and more advanced in their um their diabolical plan um but at the same time I'm careful not to, I don't I don't like frightening the horses you know I, I like horses and I don't want to frighten them and I I don't want to sort of um I don't want to put off would-be converts by by seem, seeming too too upfront. I just want to kind of but that is definitely part of my mission though because hmm. it's made me very happy. You... Oh, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, yeah, Alistair Williams had a very similar thing as well. He 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 had discovered Christianity and was much happier, of course. One review criticised me for saying he's saying, "Oh, it's just become evangelising on your podcast now, Nick. It started well and all this." This is endless criticism. We, we mainly have great reviews, by the way, but this, the bad ones stay with me. But but on that question, when did you... You said it was the 2016 election that made you sort of red pill. When did you sort of go back to Christianity then? Or was there a moment again, or was it gradual? Oh, well, um, it's like the um, that question about, you know, um, how did you go bankrupt um, very slowly and then all at once? Um, right, right. I, I, I had a sort of... I'm writing a book about this at the moment, and and uh, you what you realise is that when you look back, there are these staging posts on your journey to like there was. So when I was at Oxford, I had this friend called Wilton and Wilton, Wilton Barnhart. He's a, he's a successful American novelist and he's a literary professor in North Carolina. And Wilton and I used to go on these spectacular road trips. Uh, um, so I said, "Well, spectacular! They're bloody exhausting. A lot, a lot of a lot of culture crammed into a short space." And one year, he said, "You know, do you want to come with me to Mount Athos?" And um, I was um, well, where? 
He said, "Well, it's a it's a peninsula, and 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 since since the era of Emperor Constance, Constantine, no no female has been allowed there. You're not even allowed female livestock, and uh, it's 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 a, a sort of colony of it's it's a peninsula with all these monasteries on them. Some some of them dating back to the 13th century, and." I, I've applied for a special pass for us to go there. Do you want... I thought, well, monasteries? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. So I go on this trip. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm 19, 20. And all I'm really thinking about is I want to be... If I'm going to Greece, I want to party and, and take... Well, I don't know take drugs. It's quite, it was quite hard to get drugs in Greece in those days. But certainly drink lots of beer and, and, and try and pick up birds and shag them, you know, like that. And so here we are. Here I am going with a with a with a, an older, um, you know, an Oxford postgrad, and we're going to this this peninsula in the blazing heat where you can't wear short sleeve shirts because the monks find it. You you can't get. You're not allowed to go swimming, and and the the, the highlight of your day is is, is e- eating monastic food in monasteries after a long trek on these. The, but I remember once, once there was an experience. A sort of um, we got to this one monastery in, in 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 these in these woods, and they're they're, they're very medieval. That there were these huge wooden doors, and with with a little grill, and, and and you knock on the door, and is anyone home? And then this face appears at the grill, and and then a novice monk might come in, and and he'll give you this well water with with a, a bit of sherbet in the bottom. It's very, very medieval. And you drink this cooling draught of cooling water, wondering what's at the bottom of the well and whether it's clean or not. And then the, the abbot, abbot appears, and the abbot is, he's got incredible, piercing, pale, but very piercing, intense blue eyes and, and you know, the beard and stuff. And, he's, uh, and, and it's like he can see through you and, and, and you're, you find yourself in the presence of extraordinary holiness and you think, well, this is a man of God. And it, and it, it, it plants the seeds. So you, you then, moments like this, and then you fast forward and then, as you say, you, you, once you get, you've taken too many red pills, inevitably you get the black pill. You realise the world is so messed up and there is so much evil in the world. That's 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 the thing. You see so much evil. What can we do in the face of this? There is no hope. There are no white hats. Not even not even President Trump is a good guy because he pushed the vaccines. You know why, why was that? You know what? He he's not one of us. He's not really. He just poses. He's, he's a disruptor. Maybe he, he you know says some good stuff we like, like Jordan Peterson does, and like you know Andrew Tate. But he's not not really. He's just, he's he's part of the soil. Um, and you think, well, what hope is there? And you then you then start thinking, well, hang on a second. If there is this so much evil abroad, and who is the author of this evil? It's got to be. The, it can only be the devil. The, the, the devil is real. The, 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 there's no other explanation for this kind of, the depth of depravity in the world. And you think, well, if there's a devil... That must mean that stuff I read in the Bible about Jesus and about God. There must be a counter because this is a world of dualities, isn't it? That everything has its opposite. Every concept, good and evil, hot and cold, um, night and day. It's how, it's how the world seems to be arranged. So, you know, we've got a sort of observational um, 
check, if you like, to sort of compare with, with our sort of growing religious understanding. Um, and um, I sort of went from there, really. And, it, and, it, and there's a feeling that grows and you get these moments of um, just moments where you experience it. Uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't see angels or whatever, but I just felt this sense that that God is with us. You know, if only if only we ask him for help, if only we... Um, and this has grown since I've, you know, then you start reading the Bible and your faith grows and you get sort of shaking moments. You, it, 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 it's, it's very fun at the start because you get all these weird experiences like, you know, when you do sort of, you open the Bible at random page and, and lo, you can... You, you find that the text you read is extraordinarily relevant to your experiences. It gives it's like it's like magic, but you, it's not called magic. It's it, this is this is holiness. This is this is um, how it works. This is this is the the real the real magic. This is this is Christian Christian magic. Um, and, and by the way, the, 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 there are, there are some there are some sort of holier than thou Christians who say that you shouldn't play these games. You know, you shouldn't. It's like a form of divination, doing this in the Bible. But I'd refer them to Saint Augustine. This is how Augustine finally, finally converted to Christianity. He'd held off for a long time. You know the 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 famous phrase, "A Lord make me chaste, but not yet," because he was quite a quite a shagger. And uh, one day he had this sort of feeling that that you know things were really amiss, and he needed to do something. So he opened his Bible randomly. And the passage basically said, you know, stop whoring and drinking and, and, and throw off all your kind of worldly. And he realized that this was a sign because it, 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 this stuff is there if you look for it. It's not, it's not, it's not made, up, made up stuff that it's not, as atheists tell you, um, stuff that our ancestors made up to cope with the fact that they didn't want to die and also to create a religion to bind people. It's, it, there's more to it than that. Wow, yeah, well, I talked about my experience of a dream where I saw Jesus and God in the episode with Reverend Jamie Franklin, if anyone wants to listen to that. So I certainly have had those moments. And But what what were these shaky moments? Because you, you said it's fun at first, so that's why I'm re- referencing that. But then you said, but there's also shaky moments. You mean where you, you doubt things? Oh, 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 well, I suppose that the, the, the downside, um, well, there is a downside because I don't care, um, is that you become a target, for the forces of darkness, um, the, de- the the demonic forces will try and rattle your cage. They'll they'll you, you definitely um, they try and they're like thing is they haven't really got got power over you because once you've once you've accepted Jesus into your life, he protects you from from the. the because don't forget these things are, these creatures are only doing it by God's permission and they're, and they're going to lose but definitely you do become a target for the forces of darkness but I'm but I meant also on a more trivial level that you ideally what you'd want is signs all the time showing you that you know amazingly cool stuff you know you, you, you want to go for a walk and see an angel and you'd want a miracle to happen with this and that and it's and it's 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 um it's more subtle than that. It becomes it becomes more subtle, um, but I have noticed. I I, I was doing a, a podcast with Brian Gerrish, um, and I, I 
quoted this psalm, and it, I might as well mention it again. Um, there's a psalm, psalm number one, because it's it's like the well, the psalm that sort of explains everything and launches everything. And it, and and it, you may remember it from school. It's um, uh, uh, blessed is the man that hath not walked in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stood in the way of sinners, and hath not sat in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and will, in his law will he exercise himself day and night. Uh, and he shall be like a, a tree planted by the waterside that will bring forth his, his fruit in, in due season. His leaf also shall not wither, and look, whatsoever he doeth, it shall prosper. And that, I mean, some people base their whole lives on, on maybe one or two lines from the Psalms. But if you made that, if you make that your watchword, it's really not bad. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not, yeah, I mean, um, I still like the odd smoke and stuff and I still swear and, 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 but I think that if you have at the back of your mind to try and live according to the precepts of, the Bible of of Christ. You know, you're never gonna you're never gonna live up to Christ. Um, not only will you live a better life and a more fulfilled life, but also God will have your back. That that He does sort things out, which is interesting. So, mm. are you are you are, are you actually a Christian or or not? Or? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but um, you know, I have these things where. People attack me because I don't go to church enough no, or no. something like that. Well, the, the, I don't. I, oh, yeah, because because of the church England is a nightmare and all that. Yeah, I, it's not that I've I, you know I haven't got a, a committed position where I'm saying yeah we shouldn't go to church. Church is crap. You know I'll go I'll go if there's a nice service on or you know whatever. But but it's not. I don't think it's as essential as as some Christians would tell you. It's just my it's just my view. We're all imperfect, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, well, I, I think the key part is belief in God, belief in Jesus, belief in the resurrection, but more so than the going to church. But I, but I do I do need to do that as well, I think. But, you know, yeah, some people say it's very crucial. Some people less so. Obviously, people like, we've had Calvin Robinson on and Jamie Franklin. Obviously, they think it's crucial. Yes, and so does my friend Gavin Ashenden. <laughs> Gavin, Gavin Ashenden says that it's really, you know, he really worries about my soul because, or, or, or no, not my soul, but he worries about I need to take communion more, um, that kind of thing. Well, yeah. Yeah. I came about, back to it first from sort of consciously. I thought that Peterson, his genius was that he'd reintroduced a Christian ethics to, the, to, to a large number of people who would have rejected Christianity. But I also thought the flaw in it was that he's, he's ambiguous about the belief part. And I thought, well, look, it's great everything he's saying, but it would be great to have the actual belief part. And then I realized, well, why can't I just consciously have the belief part? That's how it started for me. And then later other things, more miraculous type things happened. Or, you know, but, but that was a, it was a conscious decision. And um, some people have said to me, you can't really do that or that they can't do that. But I don't see what's wrong with that rationally. It's always a, a, a faith, that's what faith is ultimately, isn't it? It's always a choice, right? So I saw nothing wrong with that. And some Christians have told me I'm actually on the right lines with that. So that was... It's interesting, that just, just to um, sidetrack you a moment, you, you you kind of inadvertently put your finger on, on, on the problem with Jordan Peterson, that his agenda ultimately is Luciferian um, rather than Christian. Because, have you read C.S. Lewis's That Hideous Strength? Uh, no, I haven't read that one, actually. 
or you're familiar with the story about the Tower of Babel. Yeah. It's essentially the, 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 the Luciferian agenda has always been to supplant God by replacing him on earth. Um, and it's... So what Jordan Peterson is, is trying to do or affecting to do is to create an ethical system where, where, which is like Christianity but is not Christianity, where, where God and Jesus have been removed. And you look at how the, how the pharmaceutical industry works, the, what's the model? It's about creating these synthetic products which mimic things which are already available in our God-given nature, but it's much hard to get patents on, on nature, but they can patent these synthetic drugs. Um, it's... I mean, we, we, we could do several podcasts on this, that, that they're... They're trying to, they're trying to replace, trying to kill God, and and recreate their sort of create their own sort of warped heaven on earth, and it's it's mm. it's 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 devoid of, devoid of, of 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 the spirit. It's devoid of of anything meaningful. It's sterile. It's 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 uh, which I've got, which is why I I I kind of feel sorry for them. I kind of feel sorry for these these losers. They've got all the money and the power, but ultimately, they're like Doctor Faustus at the end of at the end of Doctor Faustus. They're being dragged off to hell. And, and was it worth it? Was it really worth seeing meeting Helen of Troy? Was it worth going? Was it worth you know all the things that he got in his brief life? Yeah, it's interesting. You, you mentioned how Christianity has been made to seem cringe, and there's also have you noticed this? Because just as we record this, the BBC scandal has been. Breaking and and there's this strange take from the Alistair Campbells of the world saying that oh this guy this BBC presenter Hugh Edwards you know he's got mental health problems so we should let him off or the Sun newspaper have been disgusting and there's an, a desperate attempt to not look at all at the morality of his actions he's married yet he's been paying for pictures allegedly from when I get sued but allegedly from a, from you know a young boy or a teenager. And it, much, it reminded me of the Matt Hancock thing as well. It was like people were desperate to say in the mainstream media, oh, I've got no problem with what he does in his private life, but he broke the lockdown rules. You, it was almost like a desperation to say, we don't care about marriage. We don't care about any conventional morality. We want to be, almost signal that we hate that. But then we care about some other thing like the Sun newspaper or the lockdown rules. There's a sort of, amongst the new elite, if you want to call them that, there's this, whatever they are, this media elite, whoever, the Alistair Campbell types, the people that Matt Goodwin cites, there's a desperation to seem as immoral as possible almost as a bad badge of honor do you, do you see what i mean yeah yeah well all these um every story in the media has its um ostensible purpose and then there is the, the then there is the real agenda underneath it's always it's always like that so I mean, the, 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 the recent non-story involving um, the news presenter, who nobody cares about really, is to... Well, it, it probably serves a number of purposes. I mean, on the surface, it's about, ooh, here's a bit of tittle-tattle about a celebrity. But underneath it, it promotes a number, number of other agendas. For example, the idea that, yes as you suggest, uh, a married man, a married, much older man, that when he 
allegedly pays 35 grand to a crackhead rent boy. <laughs> um, and, and the story gets reported in the media um, that somehow this this guy is the victim. <laughs> I mean, uh, and at the same time, it promotes the idea that, yeah, it's a bit dodgy, but he did nothing illegal. So it, so it sort of reinforces in the public imagination that, that, that okay, so it's not right exactly, but it's not as bad as, as, as they, they, they feared it might be when they first read the story. Uh, it, it gradually contributes to the, to the moral degradation of society. Uh, it distracts from the much more serious sexual problem, sexual crimes committed by, by the, the establishment. Um, by the entertainment industry. I mean, you think, we're, we're talking terrible, terrible, terrible things that happen, you know, m- mostly involving underage children. And the, the entertainment industry, the music industry, uh, the establishment is rife with this. And yet here we are, where, where, where it is being suggested to us that the worst sex crimes out there being committed by celebrities are legal you know, exchange of money uh, for naughty photographs with a kind of 17-year-old. Well, it, it, it trivialises the real problems of the world and distracts people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, well, that was a really great section on Christianity. Because um, we've done quite a long time, Jess. Don't, don't want to keep you forever, but I do want to ask just a couple more little things I always ask. You may have answered them already in various ways, but I like to ask people whether the country, Britain or England, if you prefer, is, is finished. What do, you think, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's finished. Yeah, <laughs> that was a quick one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I wrote an article on my Substack saying England is lost forever. So I do kind of feel like that. Why? Because of what? Mass immigration? Because of everything? Everything. Yeah. But by, by design, the, we're, we're, we're watching the controlled demolition of, of, of the West, of Western civilization for what it's worth. And this has been planned by a satanic, um, the people who've always run the world. Um, the, you know, these are the, the people in charge now are the descendants of the ancient, ancient bloodlines. Their loyalties are to, to Satan. And of course, Satan wants us all to have a jolly miserable time and to, to, to destroy God's creation. So go figure. All right, no offence sitting on that one. Um, this one is almost answered perhaps by that one, but I always like to ask if we can win... You, you might not like the frame of the question, but I sometimes ask, can we win the culture war? Perhaps it's a spiritual war. Is there any way of winning this on this earth then, James? What do you think? Well, we do win. We will win. But I suspect that probably at this stage we're going to need, and we're going to get, divine intervention. Um, I mean, you know your Bible. You, the, there are loads of instances where the children of Israel are really up against. It. I mean, you think about the forces that uh, that are arrayed against them. That the, there's Babylon, there's Egypt, there's the Assyrians, the whoever. Well, there's the 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 hosts of Midian, the Canaanites. They're, I mean, they're surrounded by enemies who want to kill them, and they're often grossly outnumbered, and there are occasions where God just, uh, well, yeah, God just sends sends a, hand, a handful of them forth, and they they beat the enemy. I think that I think that's how it is. I, I, I mean, look, it's possible that 
thanks to the work that you and I do and others, that will awaken awaken enough people in, in time. But people are waking up. I mean, although people are waking up, they're still doing it quite slowly, in my view. Yeah, certainly the COVID era has accelerated it. But, but yeah, maybe not enough. There's still an awful lot of normies out there. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, but it wasn't quite as negative as I thought. I mean, you know, you, you, like, like you say, you're white-polled now, and it's, uh, it was fairly, fairly optimistic, not so much on the Britain front. Oh, I think I, 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 look, look, I, I'm, I hope that one of, the, one of the reasons that people enjoy the stuff I do is that although I talk about some dark things, there's always a sense of joy or at least humour or... Um, yeah, I think optimism is built into into it because how could it not be if you're a Christian? Um, and it's not kind of unfounded optimism either. It's 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 certainty. You know, I, I mean, the story ends well for those of us who who um, who are not the ungodly. <laughs> Less so. Yeah, not for, yeah, that's, that's a good As point. for the ungodly, it is not so with them, for they are like the chaff which the wind scattereth away from the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed as well that you've memorized all these things and, and the whole psalm. It's, it's good. Well, it's what monks used more. to have to do back in the day. Right. They had to, they had right. to learn the entire Psalter. So I'm just a beginner. I'm a novice. Wow. I want to be an That's abbot awesome. one day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe you'll get With there. With my um, beard in my, in my monastery in Mount Athos. Yeah, where only men are allowed. Like, well, like actually, no, do you know what I'd Mount really like? Insult. I'd like a parsonage <laughs> in the country with a string of hunters in my stables. I can see it, James. You, you seem quite close. You've got the horses. You're into the hunting. Well, I haven't, but I haven't got them. But I, but I, but I, yeah. Right. You're horse adjacent. I'm horse adjacent, yeah. Harlings are good. <laughs> Harlings are my friend. Yeah, and why do you think you're doing so well? You've got, you sold out like 900 seats. Your podcast is very popular. Do you think it's just that you're just telling the truth as it is? Well, I've got I'm I'm quite a niche podcaster, but I've got a very loyal audience um, who I when I'm not burning them, which I do. I'm I'm quite I'm quite strict. I'm like my my. I had this brilliant I had this brilliant tutor when I was at, at university, um, who I credit with forming my mind. I mean, his politics are completely different from mine, but the point is his politics never entered into our tutorials you know our discussion of literature it was never tainted by the crap that taints most english literature courses um i and i love him and i always respect him um and i would be eternally grateful for what he's called peter conrad he's, he's a genius um but if you went into his tutorials and you said something clever he you know he'd, he'd deign to acknowledge that maybe you'd made a, a, an almost acceptable point but if you said something stupid, you just like he let you know, and I'm afraid that's rather how I, <laughs> I treat people in my in my chat channels and stuff. You know, I, I don't take any prisoners; I burn them, uh, which is bad because I, I I suppose I should be sucking up to my supporters, but I can't do it. It's a, it's not really on brand. You know, I I love my supporters and I'm grateful to their support. But if they're gonna t- if they're gonna say stupid shit to me, then that then they can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's how your tutor used to put it as well. Um, all right, but you're smashing it. I mean, and so people obviously should go to the Delling Pod if they don't already, which they probably do if they listen to this, or a lot of them. And obviously, and your Twitter seems to have been hacked. 
So they can't they really can't go get, there at the They can't moment. find me on Twitch at the moment. They can find me on, on, on Substack and on Locals and Subscribestar and Patreon and those. They can buy me coffee. But yeah, I'm, I'm at, at most of the usual outlets. Um, I, I do print essays as well occasionally. Um, and my live events are really good if when I can get around to organising them. I've got one coming up on the 28th of this month, July, in Dorset, um, which is on... Um, What's it called? Eventbrite? Okay. Eventbrite, yeah. Um, so you, you can find it there, Dellingpod Live or something, with, with Clive DeCarl. And that, that'll okay. be good. I mean, it, it, it'll be good because there's only 300 seats. For, so the smaller events, you get more of a chance to kind of, you know, they're more intimate. The bigger ones, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to say hello to everyone, but you can't really if it's 900 people. Okay, awesome. Are you, have you got another London one coming up? I've got some bigger ones. I'm trying to avoid London just because people will say, why are you doing it in London? Why can't you do it near me? I've got one yeah. possibly coming up in, in um, uh, the Middle England, um, one in the north and one in Wales sort of coming up in the next three or four months. But I haven't finalised them yet with some okay. big names. Some of them. And I'm, I've missed your substack. Just well, quickly, what is your substack name? Just James, James Dellingpole, I think. Okay. Some reason I'm yeah, out. my substacks right. are really good. I mean, some people some people think I'm a better writer than I am a podcaster. I mean, I think my podcasts are all right, but I but I mean, I've been writing a long time, and I do I do do a good good essay. I think yeah. I am kind of the uh, the Carlisle de nos jours. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I'm sure you're. I mean, you've been doing it for years. I, I actually think I'm a better writer than podcaster, but never do it. It's hard to find time for all these different yeah. things. There's so many mediums, and podcasts. You've got to keep churning them out. But thanks so much for doing it, James. It was very interesting and lots of Pleasure. surprising, interesting things. And um, yeah, and good luck with everything you're doing. And yeah, thanks for doing the show. I'll no, I'm sorry for for making it so hard. You you you're asking. You know, you're saying how nice it was doing the podcast. I, I mean, I've I've always been eager to do your podcast, really eager. And the fact that I've, it's taken me about three months to do it is is just a function of my flakiness and my you know I don't, <laughs> I don't like planning things in advance. Right, I know it's I know, but it's sort of necessary, isn't it, with podcasts? Because you've got to, if you miss a week, it's all over. So you have to sort of bank them all. You, you still, this, despite your alleged fakeness, you still get some amazing guests. I don't know how you're doing it. Well, I've got I've got a, I've got a very talented team who are not right. as flaky as I am. That's why. I mean, they, I, otherwise, it would be hopeless. <laughs> okay, this is what I need. The team. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing it all myself. Really. Well, no, shout out to Jason's producing it and, and other people. We've got I've had various people help me. So yeah. So all right, thanks, James. Thanks, Nick.